We have been in conversation with a number of organizations that are very interested in our 10 gig, and they've just kind of come out of the woodwork. That alone has been able to give us the attention to where economic development can really begin to happen. This is episode 168 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Hello, and thank you for listening. If you're up on telecommunications news, you know that Salisbury, North Carolina is now the first place in the nation offering 10 gigabit service citywide. Vibrant, the community's municipal network, began serving customers in 2010 and began offering gigabit service about a year ago for around $100 a month. Unlike many other communities with municipal fiber networks, Salisbury does not have an electric utility. Kent Winrich, Director of Broadband and Infrastructure, visits with Chris this week to talk about the network and how and why they chose to add a citywide 10 gig option. Even though the city just made the announcement, Kent describes how it's already stirring up interest in Salisbury. Now here are Kent and Chris. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with Ken Winrich, the Director of Broadband and Infrastructure for the city of Salisbury, North Carolina. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. So Salisbury built a fiber-to-the-home network uh, right before the North Carolina legislature decided to, decided to make it almost impossible for anyone else to do it. And now you've become the first city in the nation to have citywide 10 gigabit service available. Uh, we're going to get to the 10 gigabit in a little bit, but I want to start by asking you to tell us a little bit about Salisbury and uh, you know where it is and, and what we should know about it for those of us who have not been there. Salisbury is a very historic town. It was established in 1735, and uh, we have a lot of uh, historic homes, a very large historic district. Um, a lot of history has gone on here. Um, we have a British graveyard for some of the uh, some of the wars that have gone on, and so there's a lot of history that goes on has gone on here in Salisbury. We're about 35 minutes north of Charlotte, right along I-85 and along rail, so we've got great transportation. We're kind of on a, a corridor, if you will, between uh, Raleigh and uh, and Charlotte, but a little bit closer to Charlotte. So there's a lot of history here. A lot of uh, we have a lot of uh, independent theaters. We have a large art district. Um, it's not bad for a town of about 35,000 people. And why did Salisbury get into um, fiber optics? And I, and I have to say that, that you're a community that not only committed to it, but committed to it during the depths of the downturn, which I thought took real courage. It did. It took a lot of courage for the people who made the decision to do that. I have not been here from the beginning, but taking a look back, it, it did take a lot of uh, intestinal fortitude, if you will, to, to make that decision to go forward. Now, how it all happened is that we went to some of the incumbents and said, uh, what are your plans for expanding uh, broadband in our community? And they said, well, we have no plans. So we went back to them again and said, well, can we pay and have you still expand within our community? And they said, no. So the city made a decision since we weren't going to get any increase in service quality from the incumbents that we will build our own fiber infrastructure. And that started out in about 2009, and we turned it up in about 2010. We figured we needed to separate ourselves, differentiate ourselves from other cities, and with all, all the other major metropolitan areas starting to, you know, threaten gig and or even, you know, at the time 100 meg, uh, we needed to do something for ourselves to ensure that we had a chance for some economic development here. Salisbury is, was, used to be a, a very much a blue-collar town 
with a lot of manufacturing. A lot of that manufacturing went away. So we're in transition now into a more of a technology-based uh, economy. So the the fiber optic network was just perfect for um, for what we needed to do and where we needed the direction that the city and the county needs to go in. So what I find really interesting is that in a time when there's a debate about gigabit cities and is it you know is it unnecessary and this and that you've just gone right by a gig i mean you know we've seen a number of gigabit cities comcast came out and offers this ludicrous two gig which the only reason that they're offering two gig is because they're trying to justify the fact that they can't come anywhere close to reasonable pricing for one gig so they've masked it by making it two but you're offering 10 gig at 400 dollars a month which is which is ridiculous. Um, you know, there's places where people are paying $400 a month for a T1 line for one and a half megabit still. Um, what, 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 can you walk me through the thinking in terms of why uh, the decision was made to go up to, to 10 gig? Well, a little bit of uh, history. My background is I come from big data. So I was managing 10 and 100 gig fiber networks over in Europe. And so I had that, that whole high data background. When I came to Salisbury, we were already offering a gig. When you talked about gig cities, you, you talked about other cities. You didn't talk about Salisbury. We had to do something that would get the attention of, of business people, entrepreneurs, developers, and the like. And we were in the process of taking a look at our infrastructure, our core routers, and the like. And, and uh, we had the opportunity to update our core routers to more enterprise-level routers. And I'm thinking, well, um, since we have all this all this horsepower, why aren't we? Why are we just offering a gig? Why can't we offer ten? And nobody's really talked about it. But you know, for me, my my history was, you know, I'm used to ten is like nothing. That's what I'm used to. So why can't we offer it? So we went, kind of went down that path and realized this was money that was already budgeted. So we didn't need to take out any loans or any, anything like that to make this upgrade. I started asking around. I was like, well, why can't we go to ten? Is there anything holding us back? Well, we had to talk to a couple of manufacturers that helped us out um, to get the 10 gig out to the rest of the city. Um, but we needed to do our core infrastructure first. And we did that, and, and we kept asking, you know, why can't we do 10? Everybody's doing one. That's great. Uh, the the, the signal-to-noise ratio in the one gig right now is is, is a pretty pretty minimal. So let's knock it up to the, uh, the, 10, the 10 gig. And um, let's give it a try and have one of our uh, colleges in town work with us for a couple of months to test it out. And, and here we are. We're sitting here with the ability to put 10 gig anywhere we want. When I saw some press releases or at least some discussion online that the college, which is it Catawba? Yes. Uh, Catawba College is is very excited about this. You know, they're, they're, they see it as an opportunity to enhance uh, specific areas of their learning and giving students an opportunity to do things they would not have hardly anywhere else. Right. So what, what's, what's been some of the results that we've seen from Catawba College? Well, Catawba was just our, like, our testing partner, uh, making sure that we could live up to what we were saying we could live up to. And so they put the, the 10 gig through all its courses. They ran like 10 gig servers and ran them full bore for about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour to make sure that 
you know, we were giving the bandwidth that we were promising, and in addition to that, how it affected the rest of the city. So the fiber that we're working with covers all the city buildings in addition to all of our customers, and we wanted to see how it would affect everything, and it just it went through with flying colors, so we continue testing with that. With Catawba, um, we're in the transition mode now of going from testing to rolling it out through through the college, so um, they've got to do some infrastructure work at their end, but we're going to start uh, uh, passing the 10 gig on, and they will work on their infrastructure to get it into the other, some of the other buildings. It was mainly in, in a, a data center um, area where we had the 10 gig dropped into, and we were serving one of their data centers. They have two. We have plans to get to the other data center in the very near future. One of the things that, that I remember um, from even, I would say, just four years ago maybe, is that uh, the Time Warner Cable plant, the maximum upload for a lot of people in the Charlotte region was still less than uh, one megabit a second, um, or at least that was a standard package upload was less than one megabit a second, and now they've they've done some upgrades to do better than that. Um, on the other extreme, you have 10 gigabits a second, and... Um, and I just, you hear all these, these comments from people that'll say, oh, well, what are you going to use that for? To which, you know, my car engine will go more than 70 miles an hour. I don't know when I would ever need to do that, but we don't manufacture cars to just go the speed limit. Um, and I think, you know, I think some people uh, may even accuse you of it being a publicity stunt, but I see it as an opportunity for, for a city to say, look, like we have the technology of the future. We can deliver it today. And if nothing else, it gives you a sign that this is a city that is prepared for the future. Exactly. And we've actually had a number of developers come to us and uh, are very interested. We're, we're conversations with a number of organizations and, and individuals that are interested in the 10 gig for application testing. I mean, imagine you have a full city that you, know, you don't have to be in a small lab environment. You have a city you can work with. So we can set up, let's say we set up 10 different businesses and 10 different homes with 10 gig and you want to test an application uh, over a real, real live network. Well, here you, here you have the playground to do that. So we have, we've seen a lot of interest from uh, developers, um, from big data users. It really adds up very quickly. If you have a large company or even a medium-sized company, you can overwhelm a gig pretty easily if you've got you know, a number of employees. You think about how many employees will come in and each person has more than one device. I personally have, you know, I've got a Surface Pro, I've got a laptop, I've got a tablet, I've got a cell phone, and they're all connected. That's just one person. At home, I've got 21 devices connected to my wireless router. It, the, the data needs really add up very quickly. And if we're going to invest in new hardware and make it enterprise quality hardware, well, we better be thinking about the future, what's going to be coming down the line. So we've got large companies in town that have the need for uh, big pipes. And what we really want to do is attract those developers and those companies that have the need for the data. Because Salisbury itself, the, the cost of housing is very low. The cost of living is very low. You have the uh, ability to get into Charlotte if you want to, you know, big-time entertainment. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a perfect situation for people to come and develop their product, develop their application, and be able to utilize a big, big pipe to, to test it on and to actually perhaps do business on. It was not a publicity stunt at all. It really was, okay, we need to look at the future. Everybody's doing gig. That's grand. That's wonderful. But by time you put the gig into the ground or in the air, the needs are going to be 
exponential. One thing that people don't often appreciate is that if you have a business that's maxing out at, at 200, 300 um, megabits per second, then they need a gig capacity because you always right. need to over-provision with these networks. And if you have a business that's looking at 900 and a gig, you know they don't need a gig connection. They need a 10-gig connection if they're regularly hitting those kinds of peaks. Right. And and we have we'll have some some people coming into town that say hey we well we need two gigs but we want to burst to ten fine we're we're ready to do that now this this large data pipe also benefits the the residential user who maybe have a hundred or or fifty meg uh, connection uh, I used to live in in a different different town where we had a a cable provider where at night about nine o'clock you can just you know set your watch about on it where the bandwidth would just drop. And you had you know, Netflix would would start to buffer, and YouTube wouldn't play. You know what everybody else is using at that point in time. Well, we've got enough headroom now that that will be a non-issue for our residents. So residents benefit greatly, even if they don't use the 10 gig. Well, let's talk a little bit more about how this network in general, not just the the 10 gig, uh, benefits the community in terms of economic development. Uh, is there anything you can tell us in terms of how businesses are responding, or or how Fibrant is different from uh, other vendors when it comes to meeting business needs? Well, let's start off with um, how businesses are responding. Uh, we have been in conversation with a number of small to medium-sized organizations that are very interested in in our 10 gig, and then some of them are interested just in the one gig as well, which is fine. And they've just kind of come out of the woodwork. Um, they've contacted us and say, well, let's talk a little bit more about this. And they've already been to town and started looking at potential areas to place their businesses. So that alone has been able to give us the attention to where economic development can can really begin to happen. And with our present companies, we just had like I had a meeting yesterday with a company that's already in town. They presently have a 100 meg connection, and they've said, well, we want to take a look at your 10 gig, and let's see if we can go about doing that. And so we're in conversations with them about doing a 10 gig connection to their facility. I don't know if you have a, a similar anecdote, and I know that, that generally municipal networks don't want to talk negative about um, specific rivals, but um, I've seen Comcast quotes for a business fiber connection at less than a mile of build in the order of a hundred thousand dollars um how many hundreds of thousands of dollars do you charge businesses to connect them to your fiber um if they're in the city of salisbury we don't (laughs) that's that's a big difference if they're in the city of salisbury we have fiber in your neighborhood or in your your businesses it's all built out the longest build out we have maybe 100, 100 yards you know 50 yards something like that because there's fiber going down just about every street And I think that's incredibly important for people to understand because when a community thinks about building a fiber network like Fibrant, they will hear from the existing cable and telephone company, oh, we can already do fiber. You know, we'll be happy to do fiber if anyone's willing to pay for it. And, you know, you're talking about being able to do turn this business on for 10 gig and they're not going to have to pay any sort of absurd upfront fee. They'll just be able to, to connect. That's remarkable. Right. Now that's that's what we built the net. That's how we built the network is to be able to do that and to have a quick uh, quick availability, quick connectivity. Do you want to tell us about any examples where you know that your customer service has has uh, beaten sort of the established standards for the national carriers? Well, it's it's interesting because we are locally owned and run. Um, 
one of my installers mentioned to me that we had a, a fiber that got cut and and that uh, he couldn't go home until he fixed it because it affected his his family's home. And so we know <laughs> his wife said, no, you're not coming back until you fix that. So um, all of our customer service people are local. Um, they shop in the same stores as everybody else. They uh, they walk the same streets. They drive the same streets. It's, you know, so that everybody's local, and um, they get actually get to know people pretty well on a first-name basis. And one of the things that, that I understand, and I actually remember this from the debate that may have even been before your time there, but um, there was a discussion from nearby communities that I believe wanted to be annexed into Salisbury to make sure that they could um, get access. Am I remembering that correctly, or can you just tell us anything about the communities nearby? I'm not familiar with that, but I am familiar with uh, that there are areas of town or developments that are getting annexed or being chosen to be annexed for Vibrant and for that service. And so you you are seeing that there are people that are just on the wrong side of the political um, boundary, basically, and they're trying to figure out how they can get connected by your network. Yes. Yeah, I weekly I get emails from people from all over the place in our area saying, "Can you help us, please?" There's Google Fiber isn't coming to us, so you know we have nothing else to go to. Can you help our city? And and it's just from all the little towns all around us, um, just asking for help. And of course, we've got the North Carolina law that was written after we uh, developed our, our fiber system. And so we have to live within that law, even though it's been so-called overturned by the FCC, we're still living by the law because we're not quite sure how that's all going to pan out yet since it's still still in uh, in the courts. Right. Unfortunately, the, your attorney general in North Carolina has, has appealed it, and it's not clear right. if if the, the Court of Appeals was to accept the reasoning of them and to overturn the FCC's order, then it's not clear what would happen to you if you had built out. Right. And, but what we're trying to do is, uh, we've got, um, new people in the government here in, in the state. And perhaps if we just told our story a little bit better, um, we were kind of overrun by the incumbents and, uh, we're just a little city. So I'm planning on discussing or trying to meet with some of the people in the government and say, Hey, listen, you know, here's what's happening and here's how it could benefit North Carolina. Actually, what we want to be part of is since we're geographically located between Charlotte and Raleigh, um, we'd like to take a look at partnering with, for example, like the Google Fibers of the world. Partner with them and let's create a whole technology arc all the way from Charlotte to Raleigh. It's really a kind of a natural thing because we have, again, the interstate, we've got the rail, we've got the fiber. Let's just connect everybody up and just create a whole technology pocket. You know, one of the things that I think you'll hear is that the the lobbyists for the other the established national carriers will have told elected officials that you know Salisbury's a disaster Wilson's a disaster and 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 they'll say that that you know that you have all this debt and that you're struggling um, you know what do you say to people who are going to make those claims well you've got to invest make an investment into the infrastructure and it doesn't pay for itself immediately it does take a, a little while to to recoup your investment. You take a look at how many cities right now are begging for even gig fiber right now, and they're not going to get it unless they put it in themselves. And and in North Carolina, you can't even do that. So we've got this big benefit already going, and we've already cranked it up to 10 gigs. So we're future-proofed, and 
And you have to invest a little money to make a little money. And we've done that, and we see it turning around, and we see we see the interest, especially in the 10 gig, uh, the interest of companies that really would like to, to move here and, and start growing here. One of the things we've seen is that in the cities that are begging for it and, and maybe seeing a little bit of investment, um, some of the cities actually not too far away from you in North Carolina, but in a variety of places where one or two vendors – um, often the historic, the big te- telephone companies, CenturyLink is doing this, AT&T is doing this. They will put fiber in, but they don't really have a plan to connect everyone. They're just picking a few areas of town. And and I think that's one of the areas where places like Salisbury are going to benefit because you have every corner of town on the network. And I don't know that we're ever going to see AT&T connect every corner of a town. That was a big deal. Um, and one of the things that needed to be accomplished was that we are not going to create a digital divide in our city. That's why every neighborhood, the poorest and the richest, all have have fiber running to it. And we're trying to create a situation where those less fortunate are going to be able to afford or have some sort of uh, support from the federal government, let's say, that can help us provide Internet access to the less fortunate or provide uh, more hotspot areas. We do have a number throughout the city, but we know we need more. We're trying to help and develop that for the less fortunate. We try to eliminate the digital divide, and we think we've done a pretty good job of that by at least getting the fiber into all the neighborhoods. One of the things I wanted to congratulate you on was being a member of Next Century Cities. Um, I think it's exciting, and I I think other cities are going to learn a lot from you, and I hope that you're going to be able to uh, learn from some of the other cities. Uh, But is is there anything else you want to tell us about the network before we wrap the interview up? Uh, well, we, first of all, we're very happy to be part of Next Century Cities, and we hope that we can help other cities and other areas develop 10 gig as well, because we do need other cities to, to spool up to 10 gigs for more benefits for everybody. So the more 1 gig and 10 gig cities we have online, the more benefit this city will see and the more development we can do. So I just we would like to partner with as many people as possible and work together and share information and share how we've done it and see how we might improve on what we've done and do that uh, with anybody who's, who may be interested. So, I mean, feel free to reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to, to help out where we can. Um, some of the local cities around us here are very interested in us expanding into their areas. And we are legally able to do that if we're voted in. So we can do some expanding. And we're looking at how we can do that with, uh, with uh, education as well and uh, other research opportunities. So we have some opportunity to do some expanding. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, glad to be here, Chris. Learn more about the network and its history at muninetworks.org and at fibrant.info. We still want your ideas for the show. Send us an email at podcast at muninetworks.org. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at communitynets. Thank you again to BKFMB Side for the song Raise Your Hands, licensed through Creative Commons. <laughs>